Howdy and welcome to the 10-Week Bible Study. This is week four, day one of our study of Acts. I'm your host, Darren Hibbs, and today we're talking about Acts 9, 1-31. Welcome back to the 10-Week Bible Study. Again, I'm your host, Darren Hibbs. Before we get started, I want to encourage you to read the book of Acts every week, once a week for 10 weeks. It really will transform how you engage with God's Word. It really will fill your mind in a way that you've never experienced before if you haven't read scripture like this. With that, let's go ahead and pray before we start today. Lord, would you open our eyes and our ears to hear what your word has to say to us, God. Speak to us and fill our hearts with the knowledge of you. We want to know you more. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. With that, let's jump into God's word. We're reading today from the NIV. This is Acts 9, starting in verse 1. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus so that if he found a way, found anyone there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. <clears throat> this is a big deal, right? So now the after Stephen's died, things really ramp up. And so Saul is is actually going to the Sanhedrin and he's saying, hey, let me go round these people up. We need, to, we need to put a stop to this. Let me round them up. Now, this is very interesting to me because just, I mean, not long before this, Gamaliel, who is a, a, a you know pretty high up teacher in the, in the Sanhedrin, he's telling them that don't do this. Don't persecute them. Don't put them to death. It's actually going to make it worse for you if this is of the Lord. If it's not of the Lord, then... It'll just fizzle out on its own, right? And it's very interesting because Saul is going to tell us later, Paul is going to tell us that Gamaliel was his teacher. He's the guy he studied under, right? But here is Saul, the disciple of Gamaliel, and he's the principal guy going and hunting these people down. I mean, at least he's the principal guy that Scripture is telling us about. And I always like to make that clear. We can't assume that Saul is the only one doing this. And we can't assume that he's really the ringleader of doing this. There might be a lot of other people rounding people up and Saul is one of the many. We get a bit of a confirmation bias from reading scripture itself when we think, well, Saul is the guy. He's the only one doing this. It never tells us that. It doesn't. It tells us that Saul is doing it, but it never tells us that Saul's the only guy doing it, that he's actually in charge of everyone else doing it. He's just one of the guys doing it. Maybe he's the only one. Maybe he's the primary one. We don't know. So we can't make definitive statements about that, right? But but Saul's definitely involved in this, and he's a disciple of Gamaliel, which I find so odd given Gamaliel's earlier statements to the Sanhedrin not to mess with them. But I think that was sometime before, and people have short memories. All right, so they're rounding people up. Men or women, it doesn't matter. They want to stamp this thing out, and they feel like they have the authority to do that, and they're actually even going beyond uh, whatever national boundaries of Israel. Damascus, for a, a Jew, if you look at the boundary lines of Israel, as God told Moses, Damascus falls within those boundary lines. But very few points in Israel's history was Damascus ever actually within Israel's borders. And so they feel the license to actually go outside of whatever normal borders Israel had. And they're finding anybody that's Jewish and they're arresting them. I think this is actually kind of pushing, I think it's pushing it 
for what the Romans, the, the leeway that the Romans have given the Jews and especially the, the Sanhedrin, I think they're really pushing with this. I have a feeling that if Rome knew what they were doing, <clears throat> they would probably not be okay with it. Maybe they were. I don't know that for a fact. I just, knowing how Rome kind of treated the, the Jews, the Israelites, I don't think they would have been on board with this. Let's go on with verse 3. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. When you get knocked off a horse by a blazing light and then, you know, you become blind because of it and a voice is speaking from that light, it's best to go ahead and assume that it's the Lord. Now, I'm not saying 100% that it is, but Saul here, I think, is, is uh, he's hedging his bets and he's just assuming that it's, it's actually God. <laughs> Continuing on, verse 5. Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city, and you uh, will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound, but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind, and he did not eat or drink anything. <clears throat> so the Lord's spoken to Paul. He's gotten his attention, knocked him off the horse, blinded him. And now he's having to be led in, you know, by the hand into the city of Damascus. The Lord can be quite theatrical at times, right? He can, he can have a, a flair for the dramatic. And here in Saul's case, he's really, really going to get a hold of his attention. Verse 10, in Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called him in a vision, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. Uh, if you ever have a moment, I encourage you to go on Google Maps or Apple Maps or somewhere Google Earth, whatever you want to do, go and look up a satellite image of Damascus and you will immediately see which one of these streets is called Straight Street. Look at the old city of Damascus and very quickly you will know exactly where Straight Street is because there's only one Straight Street in all of Damascus. This is a different Ananias, obviously, than earlier in the book of Acts, the one who lied to the apostles and died. This is a different Ananias. This is a man of God, one who's following the Lord. The Lord speaks to him and it's like, hey, I want you... Uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to want you to deal with this guy, Saul. Um, this is a difficult thing, right? I think if Saul had just shown up and said, hey, I want to know this Jesus, and there's no way Ananias or anybody else is going to deal with him. They all know what Saul's up to. But the Lord gives Ananias this vision and he's still going to be like, uh, I don't know about this, Lord. I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure about this. Let's, let's read this again, starting again at the end of verse 10. Yes, Lord, he answered. 11, the Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man of Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him and restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, 
I have heard many reports about this man and all of the harm that he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with the authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. That's a very odd thing to say, right? So Ananias is like, um, you want me to go to who? I mean, at this point, I mean, I don't know if this is a, a, a great analogy, but I, I think it's, it can at least maybe give us a, some emotions to understand this, right? What if you were an American in, let's say, 2002, and you were you moved to Afghanistan and the Lord spoke to you and said, I want you to go and talk to this guy named Osama bin Laden. And, uh, he's waiting for you. He's had a vision. You're going to come and you're going to, you're going to tell him about Jesus. Right. As an American, um, you're going to be like, ah, did you, did you mean Osama bin something else? What, what are you sure it wasn't someone else, Lord? Did, did I did I hear you wrong? Because I, I thought you heard. I, I thought you said Osama bin Laden. I, I imagine Ananias is, is doing something like that. It's like this is the guy who's after his people, the the people of God, the Christians, right? He knows they know that, that he was there for Stephen, and now he's arresting people, throwing them in jail. And and Ananias is like I. I don't know. I don't know, Lord. I, I'm not so, are, are you sure? You know? I mean, imagine having this conversation with the Lord. Now, I'll be honest. I've had this kind of conversation with the Lord many, many times. The Lord always wins these conversations, right? It, it, it doesn't keep me from having the conversations with the Lord, but the Lord always wins. There's always the moment where he's like, no, go do it. I've had many of those times and maybe you have as well where it's like, um, are you sure you didn't mean this? Or are you sure you didn't mean that? Cause I don't, I don't, this doesn't make sense. I, I don't, I don't think you meant what you said here. You know, and every time the Lord is always like, no, I meant exactly what I said, go. That's how I imagine this was for Ananias. This is very uncomfortable for him on multiple levels, right? He's got to go to someone that he doesn't trust at all. And not only that, people are going to find out that he went to Saul. And so if there's anybody, if, if something bad comes out of this, mm-hmm. right, if he's going and, and, and Saul ends up to be, you know, a deceiver and he's not really there because he wants to know about Jesus, um, <clears throat> this could reflect very poorly on Ananias, right? What if he's there just to gather information and Ananias unsuspectingly, unknowingly rats out a whole bunch of people in Damascus. There's a lot of ways this could go wrong for Ananias. And, and, and I'll say, you know, it's like the Lord is clearly speaking to him. There's been multiple times where I, after the fact, I know that's the Lord clearly speaking to me, but on the front end, I'm like, no, I don't think that can't be the Lord's voice. That's got to be something else because this doesn't make any sense. Then Ananias could certainly write this off as that. I mean, this is a very clear visitation, but he could still come away from this and be like, I don't know. Maybe he had bad pizza or something. You know, you can write this off if you really want to. And so this is, this is a tough decision for Ananias, <clears throat> but he's going to be obedient to it. Verse 17. 
Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptized and after taking some food, regained his strength. Now, I find this interesting here. Ananias is not saying, I'm going to send for Peter and Paul or Peter and, and James and anybody else. He's saying, I'm here to pray for you, for you to receive the Holy Spirit. Right? So this is the first person outside of Peter, James, John, any of these guys that we've seen so far in the book of Acts. doesn't mean it hasn't been happening. It's just the first recorded instance in here where someone else is going to pray for them to receive the Holy Spirit, and and he's going to. So Saul is going to receive the Holy Spirit here. And again, I find the the word that he gave to Ananias so interesting is I'm going to show him how much he must suffer for my name. What a very interesting introduction into the kingdom of God, right? Uh, here, you need to uh, believe in Jesus, get baptized, and let me tell you about all the things that you're going to suffer for my name. <clears throat> I think when we look at who Saul is and who Paul is, the book of Acts, through his epistles. I think he actually has the personality. I think he has the the fortitude in his personal makeup. To This is probably the way for the Lord to speak to him. I don't know that the Lord necessarily speaks to everyone like this, but, but getting to know Paul in the book of Acts and in the New Testament, this seems very Paul, right? This is the kind of thing that maybe we would, you would say to Peter as well. I don't know. Is hey, let me show you how much you're going to suffer for my names. I'll suffer for your name, Lord. You know, I don't know that that's necessarily the way the Lord speaks to everyone, but someone like a Paul, a Saul, I, I think maybe that was uh, the Lord knowing who he was. Let's continue on. <clears throat> Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus, verse 20. At once he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. All those who heard him were astonished and asked, isn't he the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who call on his name? And hasn't he come here to take them prisoners to the chief priest? Yet Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Messiah. After many days had gone by, there was a conspiracy among the Jews to kill him. But Saul learned of their plan. Day and night, they kept close watch on the city gates to order, in order to kill him. But his followers took him by night and lowered him in a basket through an opening in the wall. When he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he really was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. So Saul stayed with them and moved freely about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. He talked and debated with the Hellenistic Jews, but they tried to kill him. So this is Paul coming back to, like, we start all of this story with Stephen speaking to these Hellenistic Jews. We know they were Hellenistic Jews because it tells us where they were from, and that, based on where they're from, that, that says they're Hellenistic Jews. <clears throat> That's where the controversy arose. Saul was already there ready to throw stones at him. He's the one holding the coats. I think Saul was there from the beginning. He's coming back. Now, this is a full circle thing, him coming back to the the people that he had come from. Now, Luke 
glosses over this. And some people will use this passage right here to say, well, Acts is wrong. The Bible's wrong, inconsistent. Um, <clears throat> if you read this passage and then read Galatians 1 and 2, you'll see where Paul is very specific about events and dates. Luke at times is very precise. And then at other times, he's very imprecise. And when he's very imprecise, he kind of lets you know that. When he's very precise, he's giving days and dates and times. And then other times, he used imprecise language to kind of readers digest over things, right? Or just kind of smooth over and say some period of time, right? So he says, after many days, in Paul's accounting of this in Galatians 1 and 2, that's 17 years, <laughs> This whole period of time is somehow happening over 17 years. And it's it can be a bit challenging to kind of put these events, to, to syncretize, um, uh, synchronize, excuse me, the events in Galatians and the events that Luke says here in the book of Acts. It's difficult to synchronize them and, and line them up one for one as far as when this was that Paul's saying here and and Luke is saying here, but we know that overall, there's about a 17-year period. Paul is making a point in the book of Galatians as to how things unfolded and how he got to this point where he's giving the message to the Galatians. And it specifically relates to Peter and the apostles and him going and visiting Jerusalem and all these things. <clears throat> Luke is, is giving us, a, a in many days later, somewhere in there is kind of 17 years, right? So there's a, a long period of time before this happens. And, uh, and, and so he's there with Barnabas, he's meeting with them, he's, and he's preaching with the Hellenistic Jews. So just know that, that uh, this gives us the impression that not much time has passed, but according to Paul, a lot of time has passed between the beginning of this chapter and the end of this chapter. All right, verse 29. He talked with talked and debated with the Hellenistic Jews, but they tried to kill him. When the believers learned of this, they took him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Troas, or Tarsus, excuse me. Then the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace and was strengthened. Living in the fear of the Lord and encouraged by the Holy Spirit, it increased in numbers. So with Saul gone, I don't know that it was necessarily Saul like getting rid of Saul and is, is what did this again, this is some period of time and, and however this worked, um, Saul is giving an explanation or Paul is giving an explanation in Galatians of how things went. And he might be leaving out a few details about when and how he went to Jerusalem and Luke's leaving out Luke's definitely leaving out some details again. When Luke says after many days, that is, when you read through the Gospel of Luke, you will see him be incredibly precise, then at times be incredibly imprecise. Um, that is one of his ways of kind of being imprecise with what he says. Paul actually says, or Saul says, that before he ever went to Jerusalem, he actually went to Arabia. He went into the desert because he wanted to just, he wanted some time to clear his head. He said, I didn't want to console with any human being. He went down, like after this whole issue in Damascus, he went down to Saudi Arabia, or it was Arabia at the time. We call it Saudi Arabia now. He goes down to Arabia 
to clear his head and spend some time with the Lord, praying and seeking him. Then he comes back to Damascus and he starts preaching and then things start moving forward. And then the timeline gets a little fuzzy. And I, I honestly, I can't put the timeline together uh, perfectly well. I don't know exactly how and when these things happen, but I'm also not going to like rush to judgment and say, well, Luke was wrong or Paul's wrong. Or someone's lying or something like that. They're just, they're, they're, they're not giving you all the details. Paul in Galatians one and two is glossing over the story to make a point. And Luke here is glossing over some time to move the narrative along because what we're doing, what Luke is, is doing now, and you can see it very clearly after we get a few more chapters into this is he's been telling the stories that bring us to Saul and bring us to how things have developed. We're going to take a pause from Saul. Now we're going to go back to the apostles and then we're going to go back to Saul and we're going to stay in him for the rest of the book. And in large part, because that's who Luke joins and he's going to travel with Saul, Paul for the rest of the book of Acts. And so this is, it's a very Paul-centric book from here on out, but that's because Luke had direct access to him. The guy that's writing this book is with Paul for the majority of, of this book and for a good chunk, a number of years of his life, he's going to be with Paul. All right, with that, that we're going to end there for the 10-week Bible study. I'm your host, Darren Hibbs, and I can't wait to see you next time. Hey, thanks for tuning into the 10-Week Bible Study Podcast. If you've enjoyed this podcast, would you consider leaving a review for it on your podcast app of choice? It really helps other people find out about this podcast, and my heart is for people to fall in love with God's Word. Thank you.